Hello and welcome to the Indigenous Podcast, the place where we shine a light on Indigenous entrepreneurs who are making a difference. I'm your host, Stephen Van Lovell. With me is Sharon Bonhog, a proud member of the New Age First Nation who was born and raised in Merritt, British Columbia. Alongside her husband, Darren, Sharon is the visionary force behind Kakuli Cafe, Canada's first Indigenous fast food and coffee franchise. Sharon, welcome to the show. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Let's get right into the interview here. Uh, you know, tell us a bit about where you're from and uh, where you grew up. Well, uh, my name's Sharon Bond, and I am coming from the uh, unceded territory of the West Bank First Nation in the sunny Okanagan here. I'm originally from Merritt, BC. I'm from a small band called Nuwayich. Nuwayich uh, is located just on Highway 8, where all the floods and fires happened back in the, uh-huh. <laughs> back a few years ago. Uh-huh. And, you know, so you run Kukuli Cafe. We'll we'll get into that in a bit. Um, you know, this the show is really about focusing on Indigenous entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. Do you come from a family of entrepreneurs? Well, technically, no. My dad was a logger. My mom was a stay-at-home mom. So she looked after five of us kids. And yeah, we just, we had, I guess technically you could say we had like a small farm. Like we had a cow, chickens, rabbits. We had a huge garden. And my parents were mostly like, they were fishermen, fishermen, fishermen. Um, they would go hunting, trapping, uh, gathering. We'd go picking berries and stuff. So those are the types of things that we did growing up. And yeah, my dad was a logger. So that's how he supported our family. So they always had the the hustle, get out there and provide for the family and get it done. Yeah. Ethic. And 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 seeing yeah. seeing that your parents go through that, like that, that must have had an impact on you and, and ultimately your entrepreneurial journey. Yeah, pretty much. Um when I look back now at how my parents, you know, had to really um there was a lot of times you had to struggle, right, to survive in, yeah. you know, the 70s and 80s. My, I remember living in a two-room house with my mom and dad, and, you know, the wash, the toilet was outside in the back 40, and, and you know, it was a, the earliest mem- memory I have was I was four years old, and, yeah, then we finally bought a little mobile that was next to the house, and then we lived there, and then all of a sudden there's five kids, and, you know, my dad was a logger his whole life. He ran skitter. Um, so just watching them always figure out how to support the family was really, when I think about it now as an adult, I go, they work their butts off. Back in our day, we were probably just spoiled brats thinking, you know, come on, uh-huh. <laughs> I need a dollar to go to the store to buy something, right? So um, it's funny how many, you know, how many First Nation entrepreneurs I speak with are just, you know, people from the community and everyone had that outhouse. So, you know, either at their grandma's <laughs> or when they were growing up. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. When I look, think back, I'm like, what a simple life. It was so much simpler, so much easier. I mean, maybe for us because we were kids, but my parents, of course, you know, like they 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 struggled and, and fought hard to put food on the table and do all that stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I was like, well, someday I'm gonna, I'm gonna have some money, and I'm, I don't know. I'm when you're a kid thinking of money, it's not really. To to a kid, it's like money. I want to go to the store and buy something. I want candy, hot chocolate bar, chips, or whatever. Or play right? video games. Yep. Yeah. Well, now it's video games, <laughs> but back then it was like just you know I was trying to think of a way to make twenty five cents. I wanted to even have a paper route when I was a young girl, but my dad wouldn't let me. So. 
No, because then most of us, what, quit the job after a few days because they're bored or it's raining or it's cold and you can't deliver the paper, right? You hear all those types of excuses that um, kids will give back in those days. So, so, so you wanted to, you, you wanted from an early age to kind of be entrepreneurial and start your own thing, starting with the, with the paper route. Like what, what really brought that about? You just wanted to you know, provide for yourself. Yeah, I think because I just wanted my own 25 cents to go to the store. Gotcha. <laughs> so, but yeah, and I remember being a young girl and me and my friend, we would set up a little table at the end of our driveway and we'd like, we'd go and buy a bunch of candy and we'd put it on the table and we'd sell it to the whoever walking up and down the street, right? You know, so we already had our little entrepreneurial hearts going at that age at 10 years old and by the time I was 11 and 12 I was my grandmother lived in the United States so every summer I would go to the states and finally I was I must have been getting at that age where um I could go to work with her because she used to work in the strawberry fields I think a lot of our people um from our territory moved down into Sumac Washington area and they would go down and get jobs and work in the in the farms so and my grandmother did strawberries which I'm wearing strawberry earrings today from my brother who lives in Ontario. <laughs> um, so I think the strawberry has some significance to me now that I think back because I would go and host strawberries with my grandma and I'd come home with like 150 bucks in American uh -huh. money after a hard summer of hoeing strawberries. <laughs> Or Although uh, I, I actually used to do that myself, my uh, my next door neighbor was uh, was a, a a strawberry farmer, and it oh, was a okay. it was a short season, and we would get out there and we would pick the flats, and it was backbreaking work. But I wanted that pair of shoes, or I wanted that. Yeah. You know, it, it's interesting that we that we have we have that uh, in yeah. as well. So, oh, <laughs> so what was it then that? you've started your own business, but what was it that made you wanted to take the risk associated with becoming an entrepreneur? You know, what led you to founding Kukuli Cafe? Well, I think it was probably like, um, when I, when I talked to my husband about it, we, you know, I live here in the Okanagan and I've been here for probably 30 years and it, he'd be like, um, I'd be like, oh, I worked there. I worked at pharmacy. Oh, I worked over here. And I must have had like 30 jobs in the Okanagan. I can count really 30 jobs. And there was never nothing that just, you know, was grasping at my heartstrings. I would always be looking for something. I didn't know what I was looking for. But when I was looking for a job, I didn't know if I wanted it to be um, something to do with um, Native back then, right? We said Native First Nations Indian. And uh so I don't know, nothing was resonating with me in a lot of my jobs. I loved quite a few of my jobs. My most favorite was working in the school district, um, working with students, um, keeping them in school, counseling, advocating and stuff like that. So I think by that last, that job that I had, I had to quit that job because when I originally started working on trying to open up a restaurant back in 2005, six and seven, um, we were, we started by, I get laid off in the summer or like June from the school district. So then I took my last paycheck and my husband and I, we went to Canadian Tire and we bought all these cooking apparatuses. We went and set up at the local West side days and we started making bannock. And then we said, okay, we're going to make bannock here. We're, we're not the best bannock makers, but we did it. <laughs> it takes a lot of practice. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was, it just, it was 
so busy and then it started pouring rain we had no tent so we're like oh my god run back to Canadian Tire and get a tent <laughs> put ourselves under a tent and then our friend said hey I have a car wash you know you can borrow my concession stand and so we so we said sure we set up in there for three years and we sold Bannock in there I still held on to my job at the school district and Darren he had two or three jobs as well like Because we knew we wanted to open a business after slinging Bannock at the West Side days, um, we decided that we wanted to open up a business. And so we worked on a business plan for about three years. Uh, and and Darren's your partner, yeah, he's is my he? husband. Yeah. And so we um, started making Bannock at the, at the car wash and we worked on a business plan. And it took quite a few years to do that. And we had such amazing help from some amazing business people in the community like our good friend Jeff Greenwell he he um he helped us with our business plan and then we had to get it into another step so trying to get it into member aboriginal business canada remember that so that's what i was trying Yep. to go for cuz i'm like oh grant money grants grants right <laughs> um but they're not that easy <laughs> no, and they're not. Absolutely. being wanting to open a restaurant it was like They were probably thinking, what, a native restaurant? Like, why would anyone want to? No, that wouldn't work. You know, it's not McDonald's. It's not Tim Hortons or whatever, right? So it, I think it just kind of kept getting shut down that way. And so finally, I had called up um, a local friend, and he's the chief of the Asoyas Band, um, Clarence Louie. And I said, because I knew he, I think he was on the board or something that time. And I'm like, Clarence, I've been trying to submit this. business plan I'm trying to get help to you know get my business plan solid and and no one responds and no one gets back to me so I think he made one phone call and then the next day the rest was history <laughs> I Ah. got help with our business plan we found an amazing consultant to finish off our plan back in 2000 I think it was seven and eight and he uh he is now also one of our um business partners as well. He's been with us since day one um, when he took over and helped us with our business plan and got it strengthened. And And Darren and I worked three jobs to, um, I went to work at Starbucks. He was at Tim Hortons. I was in the school district. He was a truck driver. And so we just had all these side jobs so we could learn the businesses. So we really learned the business, saved money, paid off all our loan or whatever we had, like bills and stuff like that. It was really important because those were the things that were coming up in our business plan is that, you know, you need a good credit rating, right? You need to work at that. You can't miss any payments. You need to have 10 or I think 15% down at the time. So it was really important for us to, you know, take on those extra jobs and, and just save money and pay them off and get a good credit score. So... And I think that's, you know, that, that that's an important difference among, you know, Indigenous entrepreneurs. A lot of times we don't grow up knowing about credit or, you know, being educated about that. So a lot of times from sometimes just really ridiculous reasons, you know, somebody does, goes and gets credit as a young age, and then that impacts their ability when they want to start a business. But it sounds like you had some support and people kind of mentored you along the way. T t tell us a bit about the mentorship that you had to really help you get it from conception to the next level. Um, the mentorship, yeah, since, well, even since our business consultant, um, Don, when he um, came on with us, uh, we learned a lot about business planning then. And I had taken every woman's program I could possibly do, um, you know, through Community Futures, I did a business plan, through Aboriginal Business Women, I did a business plan. 
So I always knew in the back of my mind it was um, important. And so even, you know, doing that along the way, I learned a lot about, uh, you know, what I needed to do to, you know, get a business or start start a restaurant or whatever. And it the mentorship, so just kind of working with Don and I guess basically they, he was probably one of our closest, you know, he was already a business person and, and he's got his own consulting company and stuff. So he was just always giving us ideas. And um, Darren and I, we, back then, there wasn't the internet as much in 2008 and nine. So we couldn't really, you know, see if what we wanted was, was right. <laughs> you know, like what, what we wanted to do is it, is it even out there? Is there, is there a restaurant like ours out there? Um, and we were, we just had so many ideas. So it was really just trying to get, um, get those ideas down on paper and working with Don, he really helped us kind of see that, um, the business plan was are really our, our roadmap to success. So I usually tell everybody do a business plan. Don't think you're just going to open up your doors. You know, someone gave you a good deal on a spot for rent and you're going to go in there and, you know, whip out some, some panic and you know call it call it a restaurant you're gonna fail in one to three years do a business plan it is so yeah so take the time put in put in the yeah. work because you're right that it, it is a fundamental roadmap to where you're yeah, gonna go definitely and that's what we figured out i'm glad we didn't just jump into it we were able to market the word bannock and what is bannock and you know we we just marketed that to you know, the people driving by on the highway, we were on the major highway. So you had 20,000 cars driving by every day and, you know, having a little concession stand and marketing Bannock, people would stop and come in. And then we opened up, people go, oh, what, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm going to open up a restaurant here one day. And it was right on this whole area. There was no London drugs, no Walmart. There was nothing. It was all fields except for one little car wash. That was it on a main highway going through West Bank. And now to now today there's like box office stores everywhere on the reserve here. Like it's amazing. And we have and we were one of the first little um mall, little little mall plazas where we put our cafe in 2009. And it was just down the street from the car wash. So we did open it and I knew it was coming. <laughs> we believed a lot in the universe. <laughs> Yeah, and and now here you are. So t tell tell us about Kukuli Cafe. What do you guys yeah. do? Well, Kukuli Cafe. Uh, I wanted a place where people could go and gather and have some food and just have that um, ambiance of you know they walk in and I'm like, oh my god, this place is great. It's got indigenous music playing. It's got indigenous art. It's got um, indigenous foods like you know we serve venison and salmon and but we're a fast casual. I didn't want fine dining. You know, um, I just wanted a fast, casual concept with a good cup of coffee um, and, pe and people from all over the world and our locals could come in and just have something good to eat and have excellent customer service. And in those probably up to throughout the 90s and the 2000s, I would be the one, you know, I'd go out with my friends and they'd always be like, Sharon, you're so picky. I'm like, yeah, I'm picky because I want good customer service. And I was just like that right i wanted good food good service and i'm like when i have my restaurant one day i'm gonna make sure that you know my staff and i would be saying that in the 90s i have friends that can say that they remember me saying things like that 
So to have put that out to the universe, um, it just kind of, you know, you have to believe it and eventually it will come. <laughs> are, are, are you a cook or like, how do your recipes come around? How'd you settle on your, your, your yeah, menu? Um, I, I, I guess I'm a cook. Yes. Cause um, growing up watching my mother, she would make a uh, bannock. Well, she made fry bread and she canned everything, you know, like froze everything. We had huge gardens. And so just watching her do all those things as a little girl um, was really, I thought, oh, that's cool. You know, if I tried to get in there and make a cake, it would be one big mess. But, you know, make the cake. It tasted good, but there was a big mess behind it. <laughs> My mom, clean up your mess clean as you go. So now I know, you know, when I cook, I pretty much clean as I go. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I love cooking and baking. I like to do things that are just really simple, easy. And you know, what's, what's in my fridge. I just pull everything out that I know I need to get rid of this week. And, and I'm going to make a huge stir fry. Cause I know these, you know, we're going away. So I'm going to cook a big thing with all the veggies and I don't know. I just, I just like to cook things without an, without with a recipe, I guess. <laughs> but. And you and I got connected through the Canadian Franchise Association. You're, you've been heading down a growth path of franchising. Why did you choose franchising as your, as your path to scale? Well, I think we had something to offer Canada, you know, um, I think our first week of opening our doors in 2009 at the little strip mall down here, people would come in and go, where are you guys from? Are you from Saskatchewan? Are you from Ontario? And we're like, no, we're, I'm, I live here. This is, I just opened it up and here we are. <laughs> so it was really neat that people thought um, when they came in that we were a franchise already from back East. And we really, when we were, um, building our cafe because Darren and I built it with our own two hands. We did everything from the mm. ground up inside the shell. And although we did use like plumbers and gasketers and all that stuff. Right. So, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, we um, did all the planning and decorating and everything as well. And and we worked in that cafe for the first five, five years of our life. And, you know, it was 14, 16 hour days every day for, you know, seven days a week. And, the first couple of years, I remember it was always Darren and I closing and we're like, why are we closing? We have some staff here. Let's use them <laughs> to close the business. Let's trust them. <laughs> right. So, yeah, we just kind of learned a lot of the HR along the way. HR was not easy as well when you're to two totally different, like Darren and I are introvert extroverts and it's, you know, trying to train people and stuff like that back in the day. So we kind of realized, hey, we need a system. We need a policy. Let's get this going. And so we were able to come up with policies and procedures. And that was a big help as well for, for running our business. And, you know, eventually when we opened up our second location in Merritt, we treated it like a franchise. So we said, hey, let's pretend this one's a franchise. So we had all of our systems, policies, and it was we were able to work on those systems and policies and everything and get, you know, everything um, to run the same and see if we could run two stores, one in West Bank, one in Merritt. They're an hour apart. And we just 
worked hard at trying to get them to be the same. And it was a lot of work. It was so hard the first couple of years. And we were doing lots of driving back and forth and, and managing, you know, 20 employees at that time, at least. And we had long hours, longer hours back then. So it was quite interesting to see the, uh, the challenges and the ups and downs of, of running those two operations. So by 20, so those two years, we had a nice solid system almost. And so we signed up with the CFA and we said, hey, now we're a franchise. <laughs> Wasn't that easy, but you know, <laughs> we just, we just wanted to um, get in there and we thought we have something going here now that we have two stores and they're, they both work together really well. And we, we learned a lot along the way. And then from there, we were able to get amazing mentorships through the CFA. Um, we got, you know, a, someone from the vice president of Humpty's, his name was Don. He was with us for a, almost two years, actually. Even on the side, he'll just call us out of the blue or we'll call him and, and he's asking how we're doing or if we have a question and amazing. So we were so grateful to have someone like him. And we had another guy that ran Joey's franchise system and he helped us um you know with a lot of things like because we had to learn a lot along the way like making sure we had good solid systems and and restaurant you know management and accounting and stuff like that for when we grow to be able to have you know the the good accounting systems and stuff so yeah that was really and how many locations do you have uh, now? we have four locations now so wow congratulations <laughs> Um, still growing. We're, we're still expanding and we're really trying to, we, we signed with a company in Toronto actually, and his name is Joel, um, from Southbrook. He is an amazing mentor. He really helped. Like every time we had a question, like he would help us with that. And it was really good to have that relationship. And now when we found out what he does, I'm like, want to take us under your wing <laughs> yeah and so now that we have our uh, systems in place and everything we're just kind of taking off with it and really hoping to come to communities across Canada that um, want to make a difference in their communities and having a business like ours you know not so um, mainstream like I think Indigenous uh, communities would benefit having a business like ours, um, Kakuli Cafe, because it creates a lot of jobs in the communities. Um, we were able to train 14, 15-year-olds to who've been with us for four or five years and now want to open up their own Kakulis. So it's been pretty, pretty good. There's a lot of people that I speak with that want to start their own uh, similar shop. Yeah. So, you know, maybe they're, maybe they're prime uh, franchisee candidates. Yeah. yeah. So tell me, are there any challenges specific to, to you or, or being an indigenous entrepreneur that you faced? And if so, how did you overcome those? Yeah, I think in the beginning we had challenges because um, the banks really didn't want to work with us because one, we were new too, because I'm Indigenous, <laughs> um, they just always would kind of push us to the wayside. I could never get a loan, barely a credit card, even though I had a, 
you know, a good credit rating for being young and whatever out there and just trying to, you know, build a life. Um, so yeah, it was really tough in the beginning to get that funding and that financing, you know, just trying to get a normal loan. And so I had to, I'm, I'm thankful that there was like All Nations Trust Company, um, those Indigenous financial institutions that are out there. So working with them in the very beginning too was it was a little tough because they wanted me to oh don't think that's going to work you should do a food truck I'm thinking no way I don't want a food truck that's not what I want to do I'm going to open a restaurant and I didn't care I didn't take no for an answer because I just kept doing what I had to do to get you know what I needed to ensure that I had the um fun the financing and good credit score and all that stuff so in a strong business plan. But yeah, I just kept going back and going back. And finally, I got my first loan through um, the financial institution. And that really um, kind of got us going. And then after that, it was through BDC, because still banks wouldn't really touch us. Mm -hmm. um, and being Indigenous, I guess, also, because if you're on reserve, you know, they can't really take your stuff, right? So yeah. Of course, then you have to be incorporated and, and and being incorporated, you know, I can't be sued, but the business could be sued or, or taken away or whatever. Right. So there's a lot of, um, you know, things to consider like that. Um, yeah. So were there any organizations or supports out there as you're navigating all of these challenges? Uh, on on how to over on how to best address them. I mean, was there was there anything out there to support you as an entrepreneur? I I know there's a lot of stuff nowadays, mm -hmm. but what about when you first starting out? No, it was just me and Darren. We figured it all out. Was it? Yeah, Darren and I were the ones that um, were. Oh, how can I put this? Like Darren is very um, such a good business person. He's very analytical. He can he's he digs deep into problems. Like he just keeps going and going and going and till voila, it comes because there's always a solution to every problem, no matter what, <laughs> there's always a way. And I think with our perseverance, um, trying to figure things out and, and, you know, helping each other out and supporting each other, you know, we kind of made Kakuli what it is today, I think with our without not ever giving up because there was times you know in the first three to five years that we thought holy cow this is a lot of work there's a lot of ups and downs oh my god where's the money are we going to make any money how did we even get through the first five years <laughs> right <laughs> you know um so we made it work and i know like our systems now are um are down pat and we're still learning and growing as well like every day we're learning something um, now, because we're growing, there's just way more to it than just having a, you know, our business plan or, um, you know, and the mentorships There's, it's just, there's something inside you that will just always keep you going and wanting to have, change. Have your, have your role and Darren's role, have they started to become more defined now that you're growing and you guys kind of have your, your niche? What does that look like being a couple operating a store? Because oh, yeah. sometimes it can be challenging. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Most definitely. Because like I said, introvert, extrovert. <laughs> um, he's like the behind the scenes. Um, I'm, you know, and I love that he 
loves like he's you, I mean if you see what I'm looking at right now I've got like three computers across here and they're all networked and they can look at all the stores and and you know he's got everything set up that he's his his mind just thinks so great that way and me I'm like sitting here talking with you <laughs> hmm. um doing the ideas for um the menu and networking and uh, mentorships for other people now I do a lot of that and um working with our franchisees and and you know helping them to develop their leadership skills and be stronger and also our staff because we still look after 10 staff but we have an amazing store manager that you know takes care of everything for us for a 21 year old boy or man he's like he's doing amazing in there because he's been with us for five years and he's learned our systems and he's so excited that he, you know, he's going to be opening a franchise here as well. So I think it's building a really good team and trusting each other, um, delegating, you know, uh, we delegate to our store managers. We empower them to, to, you know, ensure that the stores are running smoothly and yeah, they just, they know where we're coming from and we give good, you know, it's all about the customer and 110% customer service. And, you know, if we, if we broke it, we'll fix it and whatever. Right. So we just empower each other. One of the important components of basically every indigenous business is their pay it forward, their, their give back component. You know, we often come from disadvantaged backgrounds and communities. And so, you know, even early on in our success, we want to pay it forward. How, what kind of impact is, is Kukuli Cafe and you guys are having, you know, either locally or, or um, through the areas in which you're operating? How we're giving back. I always take, I always think about that because we have like between the four stores, we have these deep rooted values. You know, we're very empathetic towards everyone that comes into our stores or the um, employment opportunity training or whatever. You know, we just look at ways where we can kind of give back. And a lot of that that, that I do is through mentorships I've done for people. So, you know, it's just um, just having those deep rooted values of who we are as people we we're just giving back even having so providing jobs i guess even in the community um being inclusive um and and um diverse i guess and and just hiring people who want to work and yeah it just it's it's very kind of deep rooted i think it's more than i mean if, if someone's hungry I'm going to bring them a meal or something right mm. you know and um, we're always even thinking of our staff right you know when if the staff doesn't have a winter coat it's like hey you know we'll go and buy them a winter coat because those are just the things that you would do right for yeah. for your family so, yeah. and where do you see the company going in the future well um I would like to see a Kukuli Cafe in every community across Canada, cruising along Highway 1. <laughs> um, and just really sharing what we have um, to give back to the communities. You know, like 
you have an opportunity to have an Indigenous restaurant in your community that will provide jobs, training, careers, and, you know, they won't, they may start out as a cook or washing dishes, but they build their way up to, you know, washing dishes, to a cook, to running the front of house, to being a manager, to, you know, running the store. And now they want to open up a Kakuli and, you know, there's, you just get so much um, skills in running a restaurant and people think, you know, oh, so boring, you know, who wants to work in a restaurant, but there's so many skills to learn. It's like dealing with HR conflict and, and, you know, customers and making sure customers are happy and, you know, how to do inventory and, and, you know, restaurant management and right down to learning how to make a latte and <laughs> things like that, right? There's, there's just so much to learn. And finally, what advice would you have for would-be Indigenous entrepreneurs or anyone thinking about starting their oh, own business? Yeah. Um, I think it would be to remember to, to listen to your mentors. We've been through a lot in business and getting our business to where we want it to be. And, you know, we're, we're going into the franchise world here and we want to see hundred locations across Canada eventually. So, you know, have a roadmap, find a mentor, learn the business, have the passion. If you don't have the passion, then why are you in it? If you're not going to eat, live and breathe your business, then I think, why are you in it? So, you know, walk the talk. You just really have to be engaged and enthralled in your business to to succeed and like us we worked in it for the first you know 78 years we worked diligently in our business and if you don't work in your business you'll never be able to work on your business to make it grow so you need to know all the ins and outs and the ups and downs and all the challenges in your business so you need to go through that from morning to night I think it's really important that if, and if you don't do that, you just think you're going to, you know, open your doors and, and start selling something and no one's coming. And it's like, well, what did you do? Like, what did you do to get to that point? You should be just, you know, you have to eat, live and breathe your business. But we also have work-life balance and fun. So you know how to do it. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, this has been a, a, an excellent opportunity, a great learning experience for me. And uh, Chimiguech, thank, thank you, you for, for awesome. joining me today. Yeah. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I'm glad I met you. Yay, another entrepreneur. <laughs> <laughs> and that concludes today's episode. If you've enjoyed this episode and want to support our show, there's a few important things that you can do to show your appreciation. Please consider giving us a five-star rating on your podcast app. Your ratings help us reach a wider audience. Share this episode with your friends and networks. You can also connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. And of course, don't forget to visit our sponsor, eSupplyCanada.ca. Today's episode was skillfully produced and edited by Anna Fernandez. And I'm your host, Stephen Van Loven. Chimiguech, and big thanks for tuning in. See you next time.